T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Leading off will be Sean Breuer in center field. John Miller playing left, bat second. Rob Brock, the catcher, third. Cole Wright, the designated hitter, will hit cleanup. First base runner, first base hit for Wabansi Valley, and that brings up the designated hitter and cleanup man, Cole Wright. And he has got some power. You see he's got three home runs. This is not a big home run hitting team. As a matter of fact, uh, Jim Schmidt says they... They like to play small ball. They really do have to manufacture runs one at a time. This one going to right center. Going to be a long run for both, but underneath it is Ramsey. The runner tags. And coming in to score, standing up is Brock on the sacrifice fly. Nicely done by Cole Wright. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. Sunday mornings on the score. All right, so the quality of video and audio at the 1996 IHSA championship game was not exactly up to the snuff that you'll expect on Marquee Network or really anywhere else. But that's what we got, and we found it. Good morning. It's Hit and Run on 670 The Score. I'm your host, Matt Spiegel. And joining me right now on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park, is Cole Wright, the uh, cleanup hitter over at Marquee for Cubs pre and post and Cubs 360 and more. Cole, that's the best we could do, but those are highlights from your high school career, man. How you doing? Well, that's how our team got on the board. I mean, ultimately we lost to Jason Worth and Chatham Glenwood, but uh, yeah, I like the way that you guys uh, carved that up. Did you have to sit and actually watch the entire thing or just fast forward to my at-bats so you could pull that audio? I, I want to know how this actually went down those speaks. Producer Sean Anderson, who we call the phenom around here, he's got skills. Um, I, I sent him the full game uh, on YouTube, and he found you and then cycled through to the next time you were up and the next time you were up. Caught the third at bat, too. So he, he knew how to fast forward and, and scrub and look for you. You walked in your third at bat. He was a little underwhelmed by the walk. He was looking for something stronger. I, you know? Well, I, I walked in my last two at bats. I struck out in my first, sacrifice fly on my second, walked the last two, and my daughter gives me a little guff. About the first one, she's like, "Oh, Dad, you struck out in your first at bat," and I was like, "Yeah, I, I did." Look but how then, furious I was. But but then a sack fly and two walks, you're zero for one. That's not bad. The OBP is pretty I'll solid. It. I'll take it. It's productive. It's productive. You know, our, our team made a lot of errors. It's probably why we lost. But uh, I don't I don't think about that at all. I'm not, so, I'm not still stuck in 1996. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not still there, fresh and, and available at, at any point. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't it, hate Jason Worth at all, or anything, and his beard. And you know, not at all. It was he one of those guys? He didn't have a full beard in high school. Did he? he wasn't one of those. No, guys. actually, he he looked. At a, he was the clean shavenest kid ever. He looked like he never would even have the ability to grow a beard, but you know, he did. And 
again, the ability to make a whole lot of money, too, hitting home runs, so more power to him. All right, so when we heard that Cole Wright is coming to Chicago um, to be the host and the face uh, on some level of the Marquee Network, we're like, oh, Cole Wright? Is that's, an, that's an NFL Network guy. But people don't know that you were, some people don't know, that you were a baseball player, that you are a, a passionate baseball fan with a knowledge base of how to play and the history of the game and stuff. This is, um, you know, this has got to be fun for you to be coming back and getting to do that. Uh, already pretty fun to feel immersed in baseball full-time like this again? Oh, absolutely. You know, and I, I mean, I don't know if I knew you said I know all about the playing aspect. I don't know if I know that that well, because if Some I knew that well about the playing aspect, I would have been a player. You'd be having me on. Hey, now we're talking to Cole Wright, former as opposed to former guy who used to play baseball and now talks about baseball. But yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, the, the fact that, you know, I get to be out there and, and just the other day, uh, Matt, you know, I was I was the only person in the stands and these guys were hitting. I mean, and batting practice, Javi's hitting them on the street. I mean, he's hitting them off the scoreboard, you know, but then when the game actually got underway, I'm the only person out there. So when someone hit a home run, whether it's, you know, Vic Caratini or, or Javi Baez or Wilson Contreras, I mean, those guys, when they would go yard, I'd, I'd just, you know, walk to one side of the field and pick the ball up and you know, they'd get me back on camera and we'd talk about it. And just, just at the 13-year-old version of me, I mean, was his head exploded because to be the only person in the stands during a Cubs inner squad, you know, the season being a week away, I mean, even, even though it, how, how different the season will be, I mean, it was pretty surreal. It was pretty surreal to be one of the only people in Wrigley Field and be able to watch these guys get after it. That's awesome. See, see, that's why that's why we all got into this business is for moments like that, feelings like that, like holy hell, I'm this close to right. it, I'm this connected, and then you have the added surreal factor of oh, by the way, we're in a pandemic. Yeah, I was watching that night, man. I was watching that night and seeing you underneath the the big screen. Um, and then you went and got uh, – I thought you went and got the Contreras home run. Was that the one that landed in the batter's eye? You said you jumped over the wall and went and got it. And then yeah, yeah, but that was that was a complete fabrication. Like that, that, those bushes are way deep, and I did not want to get my legs all cut up. You know, like, you know when you're a kid, like you're, you're, you jump through bushes and stuff just to get from point A to point B. It doesn't even bother you. Like, no, I'm yeah. done with that. So yeah. I had an extra one. It was like people when they bring a ball to the park, so if they catch one in the bleachers, like, okay, I'm going to throw this this one back and keep the one they actually hit me. So that's pretty much what that was, a little switcheroo, swap them in and out. Uh, but, it, it, that's, but that's your Wrigley debut. Man, that's crazy, you know, to come home for a yeah. gig like this and get to do it. That's just not, that's not how you pictured it. This whole year is not how you pictured it. That said, game on. How you feeling about the broadcast and about what you guys are going to be able to do in this very odd time on Marquee? You know, I feel good about it. You know, just the fact that we'll we'll be able to set the stage for everybody, you know, for each and every single game, even though <clears throat> there's a limited sample size this year. You know, for everybody to be able to tune in and, and watch us and be able to have that table set for them and, and let everybody know, like, here's the matchup, here's what's going down. Like, you know, this this guy's not on the team this year, you know, maybe on another team because he opted out. And, and, and let people know and be able to bring that information to everybody and, and do it in a, in a fun you know, lively kind of way. And, th- and that's that's the thing to me. I mean, I, being able to, to sit down and, and watch a television show that is entertaining and informative because, I mean, whether you're a, a basketball fan or not, I mean, the, the best sports information television program is inside the NBA on TNT. And I mm-hmm. think that, you know, when, when you can watch a show like that that has the same kind of vibe or you know, the same kind of energy and, 
you know, as long as it brings you information and you walk away learning something and, and you're, you feel as if you were entertained, I mean, I think that's a total package, and, that, and that's hopefully what we'll be able to bring on the, on the pre- and post-game shows. That's a, that's a great benchmark to, to have as the goal. That, that conversation is so real, and there's a lot of experience, but there's also a lot of camaraderie and giving each other the business and not being too sensitive about it, for the most part, unless Shaq muscles up. Um, yeah. But, yeah, <laughs> but that is... That, that, that is a great goal. So are, are we getting full pre and post? Um, like how, how's it going to work? Because things – what can you tell people about what, what Marquis is going to provide for you in terms of pre, post, and, and in-game? Well, I mean, as far as I know, it's, it's going to be, you know, your traditional you know, pre- and post-game shows. You know, it's 60 minutes and 60 minutes. I mean, I, I'm not 100% sure what it's going to look like only because – the, the protocols are so different this year. I mean, yeah. you know, it's not, you know, the game's over with, boom, our, your reporter, you know, our report for us, it'll be Taylor McGregor. So it's not like in years past, as soon as the game's over with, you know, there's, what I mean, a, a five-minute grace period, and you, you sit outside the clubhouse, and then you wait, and then, boom, doors are open, and you can start knocking interviews out. You, you put them on, and as soon as she starts getting interviews, normally, you know, we, we would go, okay, here's Taylor McGregor with Chris Bryant. And you stand by a minute and a half, and then you come out of that, while she's gathering other interviews, you know, you sit there and you ask questions of your analysts. Yeah. But it won't be like that this year because you're not allowed in the clubhouse and there's not going to be as much access to players. So I don't know if it's going to be you know, the, all the, the video calls afterward. If guys are lined up after a game, okay, this is your requirement. You have to go and you have to speak to the media and this is the way you'll be speaking to the media this year. It's not going to be in a traditional clubhouse setting. So I'm I'm still interested to see how all that's going to unfold and 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 really just kind of you know make us do our job a little different. But mm-hmm. I mean it, the way that everyone at Marquee is and all the professionals that we have that are a part of the production. I mean it's, it's going to be seamless, and I don't think people even really really realize how different it is until they actually take a step back and be like, oh, this is not what I'm used to seeing. Oh, it's because of you know corona, coronavirus and the, and the COVID nineteen pandemic. But either way, it's still a, a great pre and post game show, and that's what fans I think are going to walk away with, and that's that's the sentiment that they're going to echo for you know for pretty much the whole season. Yeah, man, it, it, it's going to be very it's going to be very interesting, and and obviously you guys like all of us are going to be learning how to cover the game this year, how what we can do, what we cannot do. Um, and and what what access is like and and what t- TV is like what radio is like it's going to be some crazy stuff but I know from doing Cubs 360 as much as I have and working with you you are good on your feet you will uh, you you will be you'll be swinging with the the improv um, uh, punches as, as if need be you'll you'll, you'll roll <laughs> cleanly on that are you are you sir ready to announce the deal with Comcast right now that's the question I get. Every day, I'm just passing it on to you, Cole. Even though we know that's above your pay grade as well, it's it's well above my pay grade. And you know, ideally, you know that that is what what would happen. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I know that you know Mike McCarthy and Mike Santini and, and Crane Kenny and those guys are working tirelessly to be able to hammer out a deal with Comcast because I mean, there's nothing more than that everybody in the city of Chicago would like to see is than Cubs baseball. You know, on on Friday versus you know versus the Milwaukee Brewers. So. Yep. Yeah, you know, I, I know that there's there's people in, in a in a room right now and they're getting things hammered out and you know, I'm I'm just really eager for the season to get underway and you know, I, I think that a lot of people are gonna be able to watch Cubs baseball this year. That's that's you know, that's the feeling that I have and like I said, there's the it's it's above my pay grade and there's guys mm-hmm. that are all working on this and 
you know, I have I have my fingers crossed, and I have a pretty good feeling that things will get done. Yeah, I think something's going to get done. A lot of times, this comes down to opening day. It just it just comes down to a little bit of a little bit of pressure being on there, and and to to make the situation boil just a little bit. Um, we're talking Absolutely. to Cole Wright, talking to Cole Wright here from the Marquee Network. All right, Cole, from that game. We have a scouting report from the high school championship game of Wabansi Valley High, where you are in the Hall of Fame. I think you're in the Wabansi Valley Hall of Fame, Cole Wright. No, I'm not. No? Actually, anyone who out there is, that's listening, <laughs> I'm in my junior <laughs> Wabansi Community College Hall of Fame. Ah, they, that's they, what I'm they, looking they, at they, here. They recognized yeah. at a, you know, I was going to say recognized at a, at an early age, but no, it wasn't until like a year and a half ago I got inducted. But either way, yeah, I was, I'm in that Hall of Fame, not not the other one. Ah, uh, okay, all right. Well, excuse me. So Wabansi High, hold on, you got you got a guy you need to take care of. But here we have a um, we have the scouting report on Colwright baseball player. I don't know if you remember this. The broadcasters, I know my old friend Mike Lederman is on the broadcast uh, among well, others. If I if I'm not mistaken. I think they're like, hey, and here's Cole Wright, the cleanup hitter, uh, leads the team in home runs, doubles, and RBI. Somewhat of an undisciplined hitter. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm bad at like I was bad at like 350. What is this wow. dude talking about? Uh, as mentioned, this stuff is very close to the surface for Cole Wright. This 1996 high school stuff is right there <laughs> under the surface. Let's hear it. I want to hear it from them in their own words. This is a scouting report on Cole Wright, uh, ball player, 1996. Uh, I'm saying here about Wright that he's kind of an undisciplined hitter. He's not very patient. Runner goes. Throw down. And under the tag, slides Brock. Nice play. Brock doesn't run particularly well, but he slid in under the tag there. It's a good throw from Jason Worth, but just on this side of second base. All right. Undisciplined hitter? Not patient? Unbelievable. How dare they? But for some reason... Led the team in doubles, RBI, and home run. I don't know. I don't know how that happened. So uh, I was number two. I was number two in batting average. So that's maybe where that undiscipline comes in. My my buddy who just stole second base, who played at Valparaiso, Rob Brock. He uh, he had he had the uh, best batting average on the team, but he was disciplined though. I wasn't. That ever so? What are they looking at? Walk numbers? Were your walks a little low or something? Because you, you were up there hacking. No, you know what? That's that's true. My walks were very low. I think that's I walked it. maybe. Five times or less in I don't know over well over a hundred at bats. So think yeah, about, I didn't like about, three passes. That's some lazy baseball analysis right there. I'm sorry. You know they're looking at walk numbers and just making a big sweeping uh, assumption like that. But this is what we do when we're lazy as media. You know we got yep. we, we we got troubles. I remember one time the Bears were looking for a general manager. I think it was right before they hired um, Phil Emery. Um, who then hired Mark Tressman, and what a glorious time that was. Um, but it, it, right before that, Mark Ross uh, of the New York Giants was a yeah, candidate. I know, I know Mark Ross, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, So, and Mark Ross, and one of the things we read at the time was like, some question his work ethic. And so, like, and was like, what? Huh? Who's that? And, like, and then you run with that. If that's all you read, then you're like, oh, Mark Ross, nope, he's lazy. Sorry about that. Can't have him. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a dangerous thing. And this was happening to you as a ball player in 96. That's profiling, Cole, right? That's wrong. Absolutely. It's almost, it's almost like Mark Ross would have came in and been like, hey, you know what? I don't want Deshaun Watson. I don't want Patrick Mahomes. Give me oh. Mitchell Trubisky. Oh, God. No, no. No, oh, God. no disrespect to Mitchell Trubisky because he's going to have a great year this year. Uh, no, 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 no disrespect to Mitch, but we know that that was the wrong choice. That 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 yeah, was unequivocally. No, he's going to have a great year this year. We're going to forget all about Patrick Mahomes. 
And uh, yes. his GQ shoot and Deshaun Watson and, you know, getting that team in the playoffs. But we're going to forget all about that this year. Uh, no, but, but Cole, we can unequivocally say at this point, half a billion dollars later for Pat Mahomes, we can say the Bears, the Bears didn't save the money. They made the wrong choice. It's okay. Oh, I mean, Patrick LeVon Mahomes. I mean, how much better does it get than that guy? All right, so I mean, why Ricky Henderson? Why, why does every baseball conversation I have with you at some point get back to Ricky Henderson? Sir. You know, I, I feel like Ricky Henderson is my my alternate favorite baseball player because you know, I, and he and plus he also wore twenty four. I was always a, a, a you know Willie Mays fan. I sit here and talk like I like it's grew up watching Willie Mays at the polo grounds. Like, yeah, you know when hmm. I when I was watching Bobby Thompson and Willie Mays cut up in my younger years. Like, yeah, but you know, I just everything I ever saw about Willie Mays, I just always you know it, when you watch Ken Burns baseball, when you read books, he was always my guy, but. Ricky Henderson was, I mean, he was the table setter on that, that A's team back in the day. You know, mm-hmm. I think you and I had about right around the same age. So, you know, when we were kids and you watched, even if your, your team was the Cubs or the White Sox or whoever it may be, if you were a Chicago kid, you still, you kind of liked the Oakland A's a little bit. You know, you like Dave Stewart. You, you, you like Jose Canseco. You, you like Mark McGuire, Carney Lansford, Walt Weiss, all those guys. So I think it was, I just like Ricky Henderson and, and then, you know, capping everything off, going to the All-Star game at Rigby Field in 90, and my dad yelling for Ricky to throw us a ball after after the, the, the inning was over, and Ricky threw it to my dad, and it hit off my dad's hands, and the guy behind us got it. So I always give my dad a little, a little beef about that. I'm like, yeah, if you had any kind of hands, like, I don't know where I got my, my catching ability. It must have been for mom. So that's – that's, and then, and plus, Ricky Henderson. I mean, he has the most unbreakable record in all the sports. You, that's it's undebatable. I mean, it, it, no one even has a thousand bases, let alone fourteen hundred and six. Crazy. So no one's going to ever steal anywhere near that many bases. And yeah. I, I just think Ricky Henderson was he was that quintessential player. If you could if you could clone a player and say here's here's what I need in the leadoff spot, give me power, give me speed, give me everything that I need. I mean, that's that's, that's that he's the guy. Yeah, one one of the greatest players of all time. I uh, could not agree more. And that team was was quite something. Um, I, and he was I, born I, in Chicago in an Oldsmobile, right? <laughs> yes, he was. Yes, he was. Born in an Oldsmobile in Chicago, Illinois, um, on Christmas Day, 1958, as a matter of fact. I mean, what a uh, gift. What yeah. a gift that was. Uh, all right, so l- let me just share this with you real quick um, as we let you go, Cole, and appreciate your time. So when I was a kid, in, when I was in college in Boston, Ellis Burks was throwing the ball around as a center fielder, getting ready, warming up for a game. And my friend screamed, Ellis, Ellis, you're number 12. You're Bob Greasy. You're Bob Greasy, the old Dolphins quarterback, right? Absolutely. And Ellis, Ellis turned around, pointed at my friend and said, no, I'm Roger Staubach. So that's, that's uh-huh. who he is. So, and then I talked to Ellis about it last, last year, maybe the year before, at Wrigley. And, it's like, and he, he laughed. He said, that's me. That's me. That's what I would say. That's what I would say because he grew up a Staubach guy. So, like, those moments of you calling for Ricky and him throwing you a ball or me and my buddy screaming at Ellis and them talking back to us, that stuff sticks with us forever, right? Absolutely. Well, you know, how about this one? Well, when I was when I lived, right after college, I lived, you know, right in Lincoln Park. And my buddy and I, you know, who actually owns a, owns a restaurant with Kevin Euclid in, in, in California now, because they played at Cincinnati together, but my buddy and I were right outside of Wrigley. We were playing a catch with guys in the in the rooftops and in, in the, the balconies with a football. So we're right outside, you know, right up, kind of by a little bit down the street from the in between Sports Corner and, and, and Murphy's, and we're playing catch with these guys in, in the balconies. And then all of a sudden, we hear from a rooftop like, "Hey, throw that ball up here!" <laughs> so my buddy and I, we start you know leaning back and throwing it on the rooftop, and the guys throwing it down to us. And then my buddy looks and says, "Hey." 
aren't you Rick Sutcliffe? <laughs> and he, then he says, continues to say, yeah, you, you know, but, but you're, 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 you're damn right. I'm Rick Sutcliffe. And so then he throws the ball down to us again and years pass. And I, I'm up in Bristol, Connecticut and, you know, I'm doing sports centers and eventually I get to do my very first baseball tonight and I get to do it with Rick. Oh. And I, this is the first time I ever met Rick. And I was like, Rick, I don't know if you remember this, but you know, a few years back, you know, it's probably about eight years at that point. My my buddy and I were we were playing catch at Wrigley with some guy, and we started throwing. He's like, "You talking about you throwing the ball to the up to the the, the roof with me?" I'm like, "Yeah, I remember that." And I was like, "Wow!" Just the fact that not only did we have that moment at that point, and then you know, fast forward, you know, now I get to do pre and post game shows with Rick. So that, I mean, that's that's awesome, pretty neat. And he's that, one of the best that there is. So yeah, he is. Uh, that's great stuff. Love it. All right, Cole Wright, this was fun, man. Thank you so much. Enjoy your time. Good luck with uh, with opening day on Friday, and uh, and I'm sure we'll talk. Thank you, brother. Talk soon. All right, you got it. That's Cole Wright from Marquee Network. It's a good dude and um, a very facile and versatile studio host. So you know, and and I appreciated the honesty on how the season's going to go. He's not exactly sure what the pre and post is going to be like. Got to figure out exactly how to do it. A million things to sort through. Um, and, and, and I'm telling you, I, I think they'll have a deal before Friday. So for opening day, I think you'll be able to see your Cubs. All right. Uh, when we come back, we're going to hear a little bit from Kyle Hendricks um, about starting opening day and a little bit more. He was on with me and Danny Parkins the other day. Before that, I want you to think about this trivia question. And I'll give you the answer when we come back. Courtesy of my buddy, uh, Kevin Kaduk and the midway minute that he puts out every morning. Can you name the other seven pitchers? who have made opening day starts for the Chicago Cubs since the year 2000. In the year 2000. So since 2000, seven pitchers have made an opening day start. Kyle Hendricks will be the eighth. Who are the other seven? I'll tell you when we come back on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. You know, honestly... You guys know me pretty well. Um, it just means that we get, I get to go and take the field with my teammates and try and win a ball game that finally means something. You know, I'm just I'm so excited to get going and start playing games that count again, you know, after all these crazy times we've been dealing with. So it's just going to be so much fun to get back out there, have my teammates behind me, and just try and go win a ball game. Ooh, that's Kyle Hendricks right there. Followed by a little, is that Walt Mink? I think that's Walt Mink. My guys. For a while there. Anyway, Kyle Hendricks is your opening day starter for the Chicago Cubs. And I um, asked you before the break, right here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score, who the other opening day starters for the Cubs have been since the year 2000. There are seven of them. 
couple textures have been getting in and guessing some excellent answers. And one guy got it, including the difficult one. Let's say them together. Opening day starters. This year, Kyle Hendricks. Last year, and the year before that, and the year before that, and 2015, John Lester. He also did it a bunch of times with the Red Sox. A lot of opening day starts for John Lester, who if he goes long enough and the counting stats get high enough, could be looking at the Hall of Fame. Jake Arrieta, your opening day starter in 2016. Jeff Samarja. Jeff Samarja, your opening day starter in 13 and 14. Ryan Dempster in 2011 and 2012. Five straight years of Carlos Zambrano as your opening day starter. Five straight years. And before Zambrano, Kerry Wood for two years, 0304. And then here's the one that people might forget, but for some reason it just jumps right out into my head. And it ought to. Spiegel, you host a baseball show in Chicago, and we've been here a long time. Uh, 2000 to 2002, John Lieber was the opening day starter. Those are your Cubs opening day starters. And we spoke to Kyle Hendricks the other day, Danny Parkins and I. And among other things, we asked him, was um, about his evolution as a pitcher. Because David Ross had talked about it, talked about how when Kyle got here, he was like a two-seam fastball away and change-up guy. That's kind of all he was. Now he's got the two-seamer, he's got the four-seamer, those two different kinds of fastballs. He's got two different kind of change-ups, at least, that play off of those fastballs. And now he's got the curveball. As David Ross was saying, he throws into all four quadrants. Fearless, can throw all over the strike zone, and go after guys. Ross said it is laughable that people used to say they wouldn't trust Kyle Hendricks to get through a lineup the third time. It makes Ross laugh because Kyle knows his stuff, loves to play the cat and mouse game, loves to read swings and elicit weak contact. Great to hear a catcher in Ross talk about a pitcher in Hendricks. And I asked Kyle if the pitcher he is now Was this the goal? Was this what he wanted to be when he got to the bigs four, five, six years ago? You know, I don't know if I had this in mind, uh, you know, four or five years ago exactly. But, yeah, I knew that once I broke into the league and, like you said, I was so reliant on my two-seam changeup and just the results I was getting early, I realized pretty quick that, you know, I was going to have to expand my game learn how to use more things. And so it's really a testament to the group that we have here, the coaches, some guys that are still around, some guys that have gone. It's probably started with Boz, with Chris Bozio, now having Tommy Hadovy. Mike Borzello has been around the whole time. But Borzi and Tommy and Chad Noble, these guys, have, they've helped me so much uh, kind of create my game and, and step up to kind of be the pitcher I am today. And, and it never stops. You know, pitching is always a game of adjustments. So you just try and feel what the hitters are doing to you and, and keep adjusting on the fly. What does that curveball feel like now in terms of what it used to feel like and the level of confidence with it? Yeah, this is definitely the best I've ever felt with my curveball. It's been a process over the last few years, for sure. Um, but this time over quarantine, it gave me even more time to work on it, you know. So I messed around with a little different pressure point, um, just learning kind of how to spin the ball better, you know. So right now it feels the best, and that's going to be a big pitch for me going forward, just learning how to use it throughout the whole count, learning how to get guys out with it. I think it's going to open up the rest of my game, my fastball changes, and make it even better. 
in a normal spring training, uh, or not like this, spring training to Electric Boogaloo, Kyle, it's the, in the normal spring training, we'd be talking about the collective chip that you guys seem to have on your shoulder. It seemed like it was there in March, like this idea that this might be kind of the last go-round for this particular group if the team is forced to trade, if, if people do not sign, um, you know, some of the pitchers are going to be free agents, th- those kind of things. Is that vibe still there at all, this kind of collective motivation that really did seem to be there under David Ross in March? Mm-hmm, absolutely, yeah. The motivation, 100%, is uh, as high as I've seen it. And I think it's for a lot of reasons that how the last few seasons have gone. You know, we haven't reached our goal, uh, haven't played to our potential at the end of seasons. So that plays a huge part in it. And then, like you said, having David Ross uh, as our manager now, it's a guy we're so excited and just the energy and the vibe that he brings into the clubhouse every single day. Um, you just love being around him. You love coming to the ballpark. And so we're just so excited to be able to play for him um, and go get him some wins that that fuels us, I'm sure, a lot. What have you noticed that's a little different about David, the manager, as opposed to David, the teammate and backup catcher and uh, and voice when he was a player? Yeah, you know, not a whole lot. He's the same guy. He he carries himself the same way. Personality is the same. Um, cracking jokes. He hangs out all the time. He's always on the field. He's watching bullpens, watching BP. He's always around, and that's who he was. He's just a baseball guy. You know, he just has more responsibility, a lot more responsibility on his plate. So I think that's really the only difference you see. You see all the things he has to deal with on a day-to-day basis, but after all, I mean, he's a he's a pro, you know, and he's been around the game so long that he honestly, he's the same exact guy that he was in a lot of ways. We played the soundbite coming in at the start of the conversation. What does it mean to you to have a manager who straight up called it laughable to suggest that you couldn't go through a lineup three times? Yeah, I mean, Rossi gives me uh, – so much confidence he instills that confidence in me because of the respect he has for me and i can't thank him enough for for what he said to me and what he said about me you know and and the trust he's putting me and giving me the ball so you know at the end of the day the pitcher that i came into the league as uh was a lot different than the pitcher i am now and i've had to put a lot of work in to to get to that point so i'm just hoping to go out there and i just want to be the guy for my teammates that i go and take the ball every fifth day and they know i'm going to pitch deep into a game and give them a consistent chance to win. Um, that's really all I'm trying to do. So it's I'm still on that process. I'm getting better, but there's still a long way to go. Kind of made me wish Ross was uh, managing on a November night in Cleveland a few years ago. Maybe maybe Kyle would have gone a little further. No, see, see, seriously, Kyle, it's the this is a big thing for for a lot of us is to have starters get a chance to go deeper because you have enough in your arsenal and you'll figure it out. And if you don't if you don't get the chance to do it. How can you learn to do it the third time through the order and beyond? Yeah, that's a great point. That's the only way you're going to do it. You're going to fail, you know, obviously, like anything else. So you're just going to have to roll with the punches. But if the more times you're out there and the more times you get that experience under your belt, like you said, the more success you're going to have. So I know Rossi's definitely on that feeling. Um, the game has just gone so much to a bullpen game, which makes total sense with the stuff these guys are featuring coming out of the pen. Um, but it just gives you a little more motivation to, you know, still work hard and still know you can be that guy that can go deep into games and eat up innings. Kyle, I'm sure you'll give a diplomatic professional answer to this, but you're a competitor. Like, do you feel underrated within the game in any way? Honestly, I don't feel any kind of way. I really don't pay attention, to be honest with you. I mean, I I'm sure other people would say that, and so I, I appreciate people saying that or thinking that about me. You know, in a way, but at the end of the day, 
none of that matters to me. All that matters is going out there, being with my teammates, and winning games. I mean, that's that's what's fun. That's why I play. I just love playing baseball. So to be honest with you, I really couldn't care less. 670 the score. That's Kyle Hendricks on with uh, me, Matt Spiegel, and him, Danny Parkins, the other day on Friday. You guys can listen to all of that via the radio.com app at some point if you want. Good stuff. And Kyle Hendricks' ascension to the opening day starter and really the big dog on this pitching staff is one of the bigger storylines for the Cubs' year. You um, Darvish has the best stuff, but you Darvish is one of the more confounding pitchers in the entire game because his stuff is excellent. How good is it going to be? How good is Luis Robert going to be? Let's talk about those Cubs storylines, White Sox storylines, and more with our man Bruce Levine, the MLB insider from 670 The Score. We'll do that next. At the top of the hour, Gary Darling, 30-year Major League umpire and founder of Umps Care Charity, will join us to talk about umpiring in the bigs then and some of the rule changes now and what we might see coming up in this very weird and cool, in my opinion, sprint of a season. Lots of other good stuff coming up in the 11 o'clock hour, including my predictions that I have to get to. I have to get to my predictions for the whole year. We'll talk to Bruce Levine next on 670 The Score. This is a great test for a young hitter. Not too many hitters have faced a guy like Ciszek with this funky delivery, and he's in the majors doing this. Oh, Oh boy, that ball leaked, and it continues to leak. Luis Robert, look out to the concourse. Whoa! That hit off the last seat in the section in left field. Well, so much for my theory. It was going to take a little bit of time to get used to a pitcher like Steve Ciszek. That's the story of summer camp. Really on both sides of town. It ends up being, in my opinion, the most exciting thing about Chicago baseball right now is the impending debut of Luis Robert, what his camp has been, the discussion about him, and the ability to see a true five-tool prospect hit the big leagues Hopefully running on Friday. But you don't have to wait till Friday. Tonight, right here on 670, the score. It is Cubs and Sox. Zach Zabin with your pregame at 650. First pitch is at 7. And uh, they're, they're already this morning, Bruce Levine, as we bring in Bruce Levine on our Alpamani Ford hotline. Alpamani Ford is in Melrose Park. Bruce, already this morning, I was looking at a box score. And highlights. I watched a Bryce Harper home run off Max Scherzer yesterday and poured through the box score. Baseball is actually here, back. It's crazy. Did you think we were going to get here, Bruce? You told me, uh, you know, three months ago that a 45 to 55 game schedule would be okay. You were the first one to talk about the schedule being uh, this short, and uh, I guess that's what we're going to uh, deal with. I'm excited about it. I just. Hope that it's uh, something that doesn't uh, start and stop. I, I hope it's uh, all the way through because that that would be um, that would be even tougher on the psyche of the American sports fan if indeed uh, we started a sport and had to stop. Hmm. Yeah. I, I wonder. Is it better to have loved and lost than never loved at all, Bruce? Right. It's one of those. Like, is it better to have tried and given us baseball even if it goes away? Or, or would that be better than a full skip? To me, it would. It depends how hot the partner is. 
Well, how hot <laughs> is Luis Robert? How hot are the White Sox? As we segue, the, the list of comps, um, heard, heard Steve Stone with you and Zach last week talk about Andre Dawson. We've heard Mays and Griffey. Uh, Joe McEwing said Bo Jackson mixed with Andrew Jones. That's what he said. Um, that, that, that's an awful lot of fun. How were those two homers in person yesterday to watch Luis Robert last night, Bruce? Well, they were unbelievable. The first one, okay, I was sitting behind home plate uh, watching uh, the entire uh, practice or inter-squad game. Awesome. And the first one was a uh, an iron shot, a golf iron shot that went, that looked like it was going to be a line drive to the center fielder, and it just kept going. It went out like in two seconds, and it was a Dick Allen shot back in the day. When Dick Allen was hitting 440-foot home runs using a 40-ounce bat, that's how it exploded. And this ball just went 450 to the bushes in center field in a in a in a mini second, and it was just incredible to watch. the The other one was just as uh, majestic, but it was it was different. It was pulled. Uh, so, you know, expect the spectacular from Luis Robert. Does that mean that he won't struggle initially? that he won't go fishing for major league breaking balls, balls in the dirt, balls outside. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he will. But in the zone, uh, this guy is going to do uh, an awful lot of damage. And I, I, I loved what Steve Stone had to say last week, that he thinks that the curveball is going to be hard for a lot of pitchers around baseball to get a handle on, especially early. And because of that, Luis might benefit and see more fastballs than he would in an ordinary April. That made sense to me. So Zach Zaidman was sitting in for you on Inside the Clubhouse yesterday, and we had Evan Marshall on. And mm-hmm. I, I talked to Marshall. You know, the, the pitcher is going to be able to have a rag, a wet rag in the back of their pocket, okay? Instead oh, wow. of being able to go to their mouth, they can't do that. But they can go to this rag. And I said to him, uh, well, when you have that red, wet rag back, back there, Evan, uh, what's to prevent uh, pitchers from putting uh, some suntan lotion or Vaseline or whatever you have on that. He mm-hmm. said, nothing for me. So, I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, you know, it was, it was classic that he, you know, he said, Hey, um, you know, if pitchers aren't uh, trying to get an edge and hitters aren't trying to get an edge. They're not trying. So oh. for, from that perspective, uh, Expect uh, expect those things to occur as well as uh, we experiment with rags in the back of a pitcher's back pockets uh, to get moisture. Uh, right, it's going to yeah, so be now, interesting to watch. So we don't need bullfrog sunscreen on the wrist <laughs> of the of, of the uniform because they can just put whatever they want directly on the rag. Yeah, in the back yeah. Pocket. You you have a whole drugstore in in your back pocket now. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, if that's the case, then a lot of guys will be struggling. Um, let, let's stay at White Sox camp. Um, Juan Moncada going to get in the game today, or, or, or is he going to be in this game tonight? Possibly, right? You know, Ricky uh, in Ricky talk said uh, you can expect to see him at some point this week. Um, didn't pinpoint it. So uh, from that, uh, he's getting his leg work in. That, that's the key for them. Uh, you don't want to be blowing out a hamstring and missing half a season. Uh, because of the fact that uh, you came back too quick. And the White Sox uh, medical and training staff are making sure that he gets his legs under him and uh, make sure that he's not brought back too quickly. That said, uh, Renteria said yesterday in his Zoom that um, 
this is a you know a 23 year old guy um you know we're uh you know i remember how strong we were back at that point and i expect him to be back rather quickly but uh after not having done anything for two weeks i know they're going to be cautious with him as to whether he plays friday or not uh, that remains to be seen Let's stay south. Um, and you wrote about Carlos Rodon. I, I loved when he had that moment this week where he laughed at Luis Robert after he got him to fly out. Um, just because it was very emotional. And that's Carlos, right? He, he can be passionate, a little bit volatile, um, sometimes frustrated. But, you know, go ahead and, and, and feel those emotions, in, in, in my opinion anyway. But this is, this is one of his last chances to really prove himself as a rotation piece. I guess if you if you realize here. he's only twenty seven years old, right? I mean, uh, he, here he's here, been hurt every I mean, year since two thousand and sixteen. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the idea that uh, he might be through, uh, we, we still haven't seen the best of him. Or maybe to your point, maybe we have seen the best of him. And uh, you know, next year, believe it or not, will be his walk year in two thousand and twenty one, when he'll thing. be. I mean, he'll be he'll be a free agent after that. Uh, so uh, you, you hope that uh, he's healthy and that he contributes. We've seen him dominate at times during his uh, brief, you know, points of uh, being out there on the field. He he does have great stuff, but staying healthy and uh, being a contributor thirty times a year, we haven't seen it yet as far mm. as uh, a start. So. I'm wishing him the best. I know it's been a frustrating run with made two major surgeries, one on the shoulder, one on the elbow. And uh, they're they're kind of penciling him in, uh, Matt, around the fifth spot, 5A, 5B, with uh, Gio Gonzalez right now. So maybe the, at some point they go to six. Um, maybe they start with Gio uh, five or a combination of the two. I don't know right now. We're not... You know, we ask Ricky every day about his rotation. He, he hasn't even told us the opening day starter is Giolito yet. Hmm. So, um, you know, we were to assume that because he pitched last night, uh, got up and down six times, and uh, looks ready to go. Uh, he'll get that extra day and uh, be, be able to pitch on Friday. But we, we have no, you know, no call yet as to whether it's him, Keichel, you know, then some combination of uh, Cease and uh, Lopez, followed by the last two we talked about. All right. Um, what, do you have a feel for whether Nick Madrigal has a shot to make this opening day 30-man roster? And will Andrew Vaughn see big league time at any point this year? Two real good questions. I just filed a story for 670thescore.com that uh, our good friend Cody Westmoreland will uh, edit and make it legible for people to, to read at some point <laughs> and, and post it. Um, and uh, it was all about that, that um, they're really hedging on whether it's um, Madrigal to start the season or a combination of Garcia Mendick uh, and Romaine at second base uh, to begin the year and that letting uh, Madrigal go to uh, Schomburg and continue to work out there. But we don't know what type of workouts or what type of game action they can really have uh, at these satellite uh, stops for all these teams, you know, where they're going to have their secondary uh, teams and their, you know, their, their extra squads working out. So it's a real hard decision. He hit two frozen ropes off of uh, Giolito last night. One, a line shot to um, Abreu at first, and then in the uh, third inning, 
a, a, a double down the line. So I, I think the skill set is there. They think the maturity is real close as far as uh, being ready to play Major League Baseball. Here's a guy that struck out uh, 21 times in the minor leagues and 628 at-bats. We know he's going to put the bat on the ball. We know the small ball approach is going to be there. We saw him hit behind the runner a couple times this week in intra-squad games. So um, he he's going to be a, an impactful guy for the White Sox at some point. The decision still has not been made, at least uh, told to us or Madrigal as of last night. And Bruce, as we go north, Jason Kipnis, local kid, makes the team and probably in the lineup on opening day. Pretty cool story. Yeah, it is. And, and he was so humble uh, about uh, his attempt to be um, a Major League Baseball player again. He talked at length uh, at about the fact that no one really wanted him in the offseason. After 10 years and uh, numerous all-star trips and uh, being the star of the Cleveland Indians for a number of years, he talked about the fact that the Cubs were really the only team kind of interested in even giving him a minor league deal and a chance to make the major league team. So he had an extra chip on his shoulder to work twice as hard. He did that before spring training 1.0. He did it even to a larger extent uh, out in uh, Northbrook at his high school uh, during the the break. So, uh, you know, Justin Weiner, a good friend of his who's uh, – uh, played ball with him growing up and his uh, gym teacher out there at uh, the school uh, set it up so he could um, he could he could do BP out there in in the gym and, and be able to work out uh, during that break. And he talked about that and the, the you know, the humbleness of coming back to Chicago, living here in the summertime, experiencing summer for the first time as an adult in Chicago and what a what a joy! What an extra joy that was, even though it was, you know, during the pandemic, and the fact that um, he believes that Nico Horner is going to be a, a tremendous contributor, and that mm-hmm. he's told him that when he's out there, you know, run with the ball and you know, play it like it's yours, and uh, they've they've developed a very good relationship with each other. So, uh, the support systems there, I'm just uh, very impressed with Jason Kipnis. Um, and the humbleness and hard work that he's put into making the Chicago Cubs. Will we see Craig Kimbrell throw a changeup in a major league game this year? He's thrown four great in question. his life. Yeah. yeah, great question. He's been working on it, and uh, and you've done your homework, so we know that that's there. He, he talked about this in a couple different Zoom calls, yep. the fact that when he's comfortable throwing it, uh, he will in a major league game, he would prefer to use it as a pitch that either bounces or uh, more importantly, um, induces a ground ball, but the intent and I've, and Ron Coomer has informed me and, and kind of helped me understand this. The intent is just to change the eye level. Okay. Uh, Coombs, you know, helped me understand that with Kimbrel, everything was the same eye level last year, the fastball and the breaking ball. So, so he couldn't get the, the hitter's head to move or bob. They were too comfortable waiting for the breaking ball not to be a strike and the fastball, even at 98, 97, whatever, uh, for a major league a player hittable when you know where the zone is. So changing the, the eye zone of uh, the hitter is the intent of using um, Soto, which he used, uh, he took that home and try to understand how to get more depth in his breaking ball 
and also using the changeup. So I think from the perception that he understands what he has to do, it's 100%. As to whether he makes this function for himself, we'll wait and see. But again, I think his understanding, the metrics department of the Cubs, and uh, Tommy Hadovy have helped him understand where he has to go to be a dominant pitcher again. Bruce, thank you so much. I'm going to talk to an umpire, former umpire. Gary Darling is next. Uh, on, on... Right. Well, give, give Darling a big hug for me. <laughs> I, wondered, I wondered if there's any relationship. You know everybody in the game. No, I don't, I don't know Gary that well, but uh, it's, it's going to be cool to have him on and get the perspective. And the, and the feeling, you know, I'm sure the reason why you have him on, Matt, is, you know, get the feeling about what's that uh, safety level going to be like for three guys in sure. the batter's box. I'm going to be listening. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Bruce Levine. That's Bruce, the MLB insider for 670 The Score. Gary Darling, Major League Umpire, is next. Also next hour, the sound of the game tonight and beyond. Did some digging. Want to talk about that with you, about something we've missed that will be coming back and how it has evolved already. We'll do that. And then at 1140, my predictions. Good luck, everybody. Division winners, wild card winners, teams to meet in the World Series, and awards, too. Woo! I'm going to be wrong about a lot, but everybody is in a crazy-ass year like this, don't you think? We'll talk to Gary Darling next, former Major League umpire, on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <laughs> 